Hey, you're listening to Head of Heels, a podcast where we have real, honest, and unfiltered conversations about life and everything else in between. I'm your host, Maggie, and today's episode is a recap of my soul trip in Bali. And um, it's going to be about my experiences, what I did, why I did it, how I felt, how much everything cost. A lot of you guys really wanted to know the cost of this trip. I broke it down for you. And... Um, also little details of many different parts of my trip. And so this episode is going to be more of a storytelling time together. So yeah, let's hang. I hope you enjoyed this one. Hello, everybody. Allow me to just adjust this mic for a bit. I haven't been back in the studio for a long time. And I haven't done a solo episode for a while. Have I not? Wait, when was my, our last first solo? Japan? Really? Wait, my, my last <laughs> my last solo episode was my previous solo trip. So guys, I am back from Bali and I am ready to tell you my adventure. So before we start, I just want to say I did not realize the traction that our podcasts have been getting until the past couple of months, really. I, I can say nine out of 10 people who come up to me, which is also new because usually don't, nobody come up to me. <laughs> so like nine out of 10 people who come up to me would tell me that they are listening to my podcast. So I think that for me, it means a lot. One, two, it's very important statistics. <laughs> Because for me, all these are information, all these are feedback. And you guys know how, how I take feedbacks and I, 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 I rely a lot on feedbacks because it tells me if I'm going the right direction and if what I'm doing is what I want to do. And I guess what I can say is I just want to thank you guys for really, mm, I don't know. I just want to thank you guys for tuning in, for spending time with me, for choosing to spend time with me and the guests that come on my show. It means a lot. Um, yeah, I just want to personally thank you guys because I feel like I always have had guests on and I don't really get this one-on-one -on -one time with you. Um, so yeah, today we're going to hang out, chat, and I'll tell you all about my Bali adventures. And uh, I know as of today, I think... I don't know. I haven't updated much on social media because of what's going on in the world and the other part of the world. And it's been very heartbreaking. And I just couldn't bring myself to post up my, like post happy things. I just feel conflicted on the inside in my heart. I just don't feel right. And because of that, <laughs> I don't have fun content and I keep talking about it. I've been shadow banned, you guys. Like this morning I woke up and I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is weird. I've been getting like five figure views on stories and suddenly I woke up to like 5,000 views. What? What the heck? That's like more than half gone. What's going on? So yeah, um, that says a lot about what's being filtered on social media. But um, not, I'm just going to keep going. Nothing can buy my moral compass. Uh, I stand my ground. I stand what I say. And uh, yeah, I feel like I've been thinking about this. I feel like we can never stand on the right side of history. There is always one party who thinks that they are right. But we can stand on the right side of humanity. And uh, yeah, with that, let's get started. Okay, so 
I think a lot of people always ask me, what did I do? And it's funny, everybody wants the itinerary. And this time I have an itinerary. <laughs> I know in Japan, I didn't have an itinerary because that was really completely YOLO. I only booked like sporadic tours here and there. If you haven't watched the episode, go check it out. Solo trip to Japan, my first ever solo trip. So I'm no longer an amateur, no longer a solo trip virgin. I am not a pro, but like my second time, right? Um, so this trip, there is an itinerary. Um, it was about a six day trip. I wish I could stay longer, but I had work commitment. So six days was the most I can spare for this month. Um, yeah, let's get started. So I woke up very early in the morning. Um, I think it was last Wednesday. I think it doesn't matter. Time doesn't matter in this context because you could be listening to this like a year later. So I woke up very early in the morning, 5 a.m. for my flight and checked in. Everything was fine. Arrived in Bali. And I was told that immigration in Bali is crazy. Like, you can wait up to like two to three hours be just because there's just that many people who goes into the ba go into the Bali goes to Bali day in day out all year long, and I was talking to the locals and they were saying you know ever since COVID there's no peak season or low season every season is peak season, so I was like oh my god okay let's do this but you know what it took me about thirty minutes only, thank God thank you JC I love you. Um, I would recommend you guys to book an airport transfer prior. And uh, there's just, because there's a lot of like people that will kind of like come attack you. When I say attack, they just come to you and want to sell you stuff and ask you if you want taxi. And they would usually, uh, I think, price you at a very high price just because you're a foreigner and you don't know the price and you're probably overwhelmed because you've just arrived. You don't know what it is like here yet. So I usually don't do that. I usually book prior. So I did. Uh, I had Justin with me. I think if you followed me on Instagram, I talked about this tour guide. Um, Justin, shout out Justin. I don't know if he's going to ever listen to this, but he's awesome. So um, I booked this uh, private day tour uh, for my first day, only because it's my first day and I'm a little bit overwhelmed. And Sikh Sophie, I, I found it on Sikh Sophie and they booked it for me. And by the way, full transparency, this trip, I went, it, I, went, I went to Bali with Sikh Sophie and I'll tell you more about Sikh Sophie later. I've been talking about this brand uh, a couple of times on my socials, but I want to talk to you more about what they do, but later on. So yes, this trip, I went with Sikh Sophie. All the experiences are via Sikh Sophie and it honestly, it's one of the best decisions I've made and because I had so much fun. Okay, so yeah, Justin picked me up, checked in the hotel and then my first activity for the day was the Firefly I'm not going to say conservative, conservation farm. So Firefly Conservation Farm. Oh my gosh, I don't know where to start. Um, mind you, I feel like if I'm all by myself, I decided to not pick up, not book a private tour guide and just rely on Grab on that first day. I don't think I can make it to this location only because it's really dip far into the jungle kampong area. And uh, it can be very overwhelming, especially if it's my first time. And I did not realize how big Bali is. I've been to Bali many times. This is not my first time. I've been to Bali maybe three, four times in my lifetime. And the last time I went was in Seminyak last year. And I stayed in this beautiful villa uh, called the Noku Beach Villa. Apparently it was on Netflix. I went with Wanderlust last year. 
but all we did was stay in the villa. So I didn't actually feel like I experienced Bali. I was just in a beautiful villa overlooking a beach. It could be any beach, right? But yeah, but this time I really wanted something different, especially if I'm going to go on a solo trip, right? So yeah, back to the Firefly. Um, when we arrived, it was about four, five o'clock and the sun sets in Bali quite early. About six o'clock, the sun will start setting. And by the time it's 6.30, it's quite dark already. So at this point, we have about an hour and a half. And I didn't know what to expect. And it's my first day. I didn't know the sun sets so early. So I thought, okay, we have two hours of sun. But as soon as I arrived, I could feel like the, the, the sky is getting dark. And I'm like, okay, why am I here? What's going on? Honestly, this was how I felt. Because I'm like, hmm, what's going on? Why is this so dark? This kampung area, what am I going to do all by myself? I had no expectation, but at the same time, I was a little bit worried. But Justin was with me the whole time. He was my tour, but I, I got him to join me as well. But I was then welcomed by Pat Wayan and his family. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, we started off making some pancakes. They, they gave me such a warm welcome. We did lots of stuff. And then we went on to walk through the paddy fields. They call it the rice fields. I don't know why I keep saying paddy fields. Walk through the rice fields. And then we stumbled upon this old, um, oh, I don't know if I could call it a hut, but this living area by Pat Wayan's uncle, Pat Nyoman. And he lives there for, he's been living there his whole life. And his wife, I believe, um, passed away maybe about eight years ago. And ever since then, he's been living there all by himself. And uh, he's this old man with a hunchback. And he really, I think his spine can no longer extend. So he really is always walking, hunching. And I don't know why my heart just broke when I saw that. Like, oh, then how do you sleep? It must be painful. And how do you carry heavy stuff? Because for you to carry heavy stuff, you need to brace your core. I mean, this is me as a coach speaking, right? You need to brace your core, but with your back hunched all the way like that, there's simply no way you can actually brace your core the way we brace our core. So, but and I was trying to be friendly, you know, like I see him as a very strong old man. I thought, wow, he's still wearing boots and still carrying stuff here and there. So I say, oh, but your mind, what? Yeah, but your mind. And that's when he told me, tidak sakit. And I really wanted to cry. Oh my God. Like thinking back right now, I feel like tears are going to run down my face. I've been very emotional lately. Um, yeah. So then it really, that experience really gave me such a refreshed perspective on life. And uh, I didn't share this on, on, I didn't share this on stories, but where he lived was also where he cooked and where he did a lot of stuff. It's like a one space bedroom. And right outside, he has this, um, little barn where he, where his pigs live, where his chickens live and his two dogs lived. And, uh, and that's, that's his life, you guys. And right outside, there's also this uh, wooden gong. What do they call it? Oh my gosh, I forgot. Kung Kung. Yes, I think it's the Kung Kung where you China like, you ring it every, every day as a way of communicating to your neighbors, your neighboring farm. And Pat Wayan was telling me, you know, this is how we communicate. Before WhatsApp came along, before internet came along, back in the days in Bali, this is how we communicate every single day. Uh, we can call people for dinner, we call them for lunch. 
And I asked them, but how do you know what you're saying? It's just sound. Clung, 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 clung. And that's when they say, we just know. We just know. And I said, so every, every farm has one? Yeah, every family has one. And I said, then how do you know who's calling who? We just know. Every clung, 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 clung sound, sounds different. And I'm just like, wow. I mean, I'm a city girl. I grew up in a kampong, er- kampong, but it's a very modern kampong. So for me to experience this real kampong lifestyle was something that I really didn't expect, you see. It's all the little things in life, right? Um, and then he said something that really, I don't know, I, it, made, it, it pulled something in my heart. I just, just felt, I just felt something. And he said, you know, Pa Nyoman is really old. He's 70 plus years old. And you could see he's really barely, really mobile anymore. He can still walk. He's still really strong. He worked really hard his whole life, but he's old. So if we don't hear Pa Nyoman's klung kung for more than a day or two, we go check on him. And that's our life. Go check on him. And that he lives there. Pat uh, Wayan doesn't live there, but they have their own home. That's like their farm. But Pat Nyoman lives there by himself with the cow, with the pigs, with the dogs. So what I'm trying to say here is, honestly, if I had went to Bali the way I usually do, travel the way I usually do, I really wouldn't have experienced this. And um, there's this one part, and if by this time, the sky is already dark, like pitch black, because the fireflies can't, don't like the bright light. They only show up when it's pitch black. And a lot of people say, yo, where are the fireflies? I'm like, yo, it's pitch black. I cannot film them, okay? You think what? Hello? <laughs> Because they're like, don't lie. Where are the fireflies? You didn't film it. I'm like, you try filming it lah. I give you 5,000 ringgit with your phone. Okay. I mean, I love my iPhone. We've got the night mode, but it requires light to capture and activate the night mode. But I tell you, we were in absolute darkness. And the only light that came was from the moon. And... You know how when you're constantly under bright exposure, sunlight, your eye, your your iris, does it expand or something? But basically my eyes are so used to brightness and I'm always on my phone. And at some point, I felt like I was blinded in darkness. I cannot see anything. And that's when Pat Wayan told me, Maggie, close your eyes. Well, it's like the Billie Eilish song, right? Close your eyes, now breathe. But anyway, he told me to close my eyes and he said, Come, hold my hand while you close your eyes. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? I didn't share this on stories because I feel like it's just too much. I need to podcast it. That's why I'm podcasting it. He told me to close my eyes. And I'm like, and I'm, by the way, guys, I'm very scared of the dark. I tell you, every time I am at, I'm at home, if I'm in a dark room, I'll just imagine somebody's going to come charge at me from the back or something, you know? I just cannot. I hate uncertainty. And when I'm in darkness, I'm, I'm filled with uncertainty. But he told me, we are going to walk in towards the rice fields. I want you to close your eyes. This is before I saw the fireflies, okay? So we close our eyes. 
mean, me and Justin. <laughs> so Justin was with me the whole time. <laughs> He's also experiencing this for the first time. And I told, I asked him, have you ever been here? It's like, as a tour guide, no, it's also his first time. And he was asking so many questions. So we were experiencing this whole thing together. He said, okay, you're all right. Now our hands are held together. And he said, close your eyes and let your instinct guide you. And I'm just like, my heart was beating out of my chest. I'm like, oh, it's so dark. I can't see. What if I fall? No, just trust. Do you trust me? And I said, yes, I trust you. Wow, total stranger, guys. I just met him for like an hour. <laughs> total stranger. And I'm just like, okay, I trust you. And we walked. And every step I took, I felt like the next step was gonna be me dropping off a building. That's how I felt. And I walk and I walk with my eyes closed. And then we came to a pause. And that's when he told me, okay, now open your eyes. When I open, oh my God, I saw fireflies. They're all there blinking. And wow, guys, I don't know how to... I don't know how to put it in words. It is something that you have to experience it yourself. It, it was just out of this world for me. I've never seen fireflies. I've always wanted to. And when I saw it, I'm just like, wow. Wow. They are so beautiful. And you know what? I'm someone, if I go into the jungle for the first five minutes, I'll get 50 bites. Mosquito bites already. And at this point, it was already an hour and a half into the experience. I did not get a single bite, which is weird. Amen. JC looking up for me all day, every day. But by the way, JC is Jesus Christ, not Jane Chuck. Okay. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> um, then I asked him, wait, but yeah, actually... I told him, like, I get bitten so easily. Like, why is there no mosquito here? Is there mosquitoes? Yeah, there is mosquitoes. But the fireflies eat them. Like they feed on insects too. So in some ways, the fireflies are natural mosquito repellent. Where there are fireflies, mosquito can't really thrive because they eat their larvae before they even become mosquitoes. Sudah mati, you know? <laughs> So these are all the little fun facts that I learned. And I learned that there are two different types of fireflies. There are the terrestrial one that's like on ground dry. And then there's the water fireflies. And, uh, and you know what? Okay, I need to share this. This is so nerdy, but I don't know if you're interested in this, but I'll share anyway. But I was wondering like the fireflies lifespan, right? Do you know that they stay as lar larvae, lar larvae for about a year? They can't be in that form for up to a year. Again, not full accuracy, but about there, you can go fact check yourself. But as soon as they turn into an actual firefly, they only live for about 20 days. Then they die. <gasps> Crazy. I know. And I wouldn't have learned this if I didn't go to this experience. And that was my first day in Bali. Like this is straight out of airport. I dropped my bags at the hotel, straight to the firefly. Honestly, I was very hesitant already. On the way there, I'm like, why? Why did I sign up for this? I'm so tired. I just want to sleep in a hotel. But when I got there, 
my fatigue just went away. I mean, it was just so beautiful. And yeah, that was my first day. Um, then I went back, actually relaxed myself in my nice hotel. And I couldn't stop thinking about them. Like I'm so privileged. I get to live in this nice villa, nice, beautiful villa while, um, I mean, I'm happy, but would I be happy if I don't have this villa? I got, it got myself thinking, you know? Yeah, I'm happy now because I have it. But if I don't have this lifestyle now, would I still be happy? Wow, very deep, right? <laughs> because Pat Nyoman, they were so content. They were so content with so little. It's not because they are lack of anything. To them, their life is already so full, so rich. And I wonder if I put myself in that, their shoes, if I live like that, will I feel the same way? That's something for me to ponder about and for yourself too, I guess. Um, but anyway, woke up the next day. I was unwell, y'all. Don't know what's up with the Bali air. I think it's like super hot. By the way, it's supposed to be like monsoon season, but it was hot as hell. Oh, I don't know. I feel like I got a bit of tan, but everybody say I'm not tan. So guys, tell me, am I like nicely? Do I, I have the Bali tan right now? I even put up like a glitter lotion today so that I can up my tanner for the camera. For the camera. <laughs> so if you're listening on Spotify, you can jump on YouTube later. Let me know. Drop me a comment. Am I tan enough? Got a bit of glitter here. Can you see? The glow. Anyway. Also, this necklace, I bought it in Bali for that whole Bali vibe. I'm trying to bring it back. I don't know if it's there. But anyway. See, I woke up the next day. I wasn't feeling so well. Um... But I almost cancelled the cycling tour, but I didn't. I went and it was so fun. I got to cycle all around Ubud. I was pretty tan that first day because it's really, really hot. Um, and uh, yeah, I went by myself, guys. A lot of people are like, wait, wait, wait. You go yourself, then how are these experiences? No, you will meet people, guys. So on this cycling tour, I met two couples. And it's uh, David and Linda from Australia. I think they are from Sydney, if I'm not wrong yet. And then there's Christopher and Erwin. Um, also from Australia, but they are in Melbourne, right? So two Australian couples. And then we had so much fun cycling. And at some point we were cycling through the rice fields. I mean, not in the water, but like they are a pathway for you to cycle through and it's very bumpy. So heads up for those of you who don't know how to cycle, um, this is, this can be very dangerous I wouldn't recommend it for kids at all because all the bikes were, I would say not mountain bike, but like it's not the cutesy bike where you've got a basket in front. You've, it, it's quite elevated. So it's like a proper bike, like a mountain bike, I would say. But it's also electric, thank God. Because if not, I cannot walk for the rest of the trip. Really, really helped. Oh my God. Going uphill, there was so much uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill. Jesus. <laughs> But yes, it's quite dangerous. And why I say this was because Linda fell many times. So Linda is about, I think, 40 plus years old together with David. Um, and then Erwin and Christopher, they are like maybe slightly older than me. You know, I wouldn't know because white people look a bit older, right? Like, <laughs> no, serious. Everyone thought I was 25. Everyone. And when I told them my age, they're like, tipu, tipu, you lying. I'm like, no. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is, where was I? See, I'm all over the place. I can't tell stories. 
Yeah, Linda fell. Okay, I don't think she'll ever watch this, but I, I think... I, um, so what happened was, I, I was in front and Linda and David was at the back because she fell first in the, the first round she fell. So I was like, okay, uh, don't worry, you guys. Uh, let me go first so that they can sort themselves out. So at this point, they were at the back already. And, and they're coming close to me. And so funny because before she fell, I could feel, oh no, ah! And then a sound, pong, and she crashed. And I thought, okay, maybe she fell off the bike. Okay, like off the bike on ground. Huh, guys, I turned around. We, we laughed about this already, by the way. So like, don't cancel me. I was like half worried and half laughing because she fell into the canal, like straight up. How do I put it? Okay, like this. Imagine you are on a very narrow pathway. On the left is the rice fields, like water with the rice fields. If you fall in there, you're going to be soaking wet. But if you fall right side, there's a canal because to supply water into the rice fields, you need longkang, you need water. That's like a big, big longkang, you know, like a very big one. She fell on the left, right side towards the longkang, but not fully into the longkang. She held on to the side, but she's like at one inch away to touch the longkang water. One inch away. And uh, those of you who are on my IG stories, you may have already seen the clip. She said, don't you dare take the camera out now. And I panicked for a bit because I was filming the whole time during this journey. <laughs> so I thought she's talking to me. I was like, huh. wait, and I remember I have this camera on my body, like a, like a POV camera. I was like, huh. wait, I don't think she would talk to me like that. Like, like I'm a total stranger. It was for her husband. <laughs> I mean, I get it. But the husband was like, because the moment she said that, don't you dare take the camera out. The husband giggled. <laughs> and, and, and of course he was helping her out. And, uh, that was a funny moment during, during that tour. It was quite funny. And, but, but at this point, I, I didn't tell them I actually have the footage. Because <laughs> I got off my bike and went to help them. So I forgot that my camera was recorded the whole time because I was on and off. So I, at that point, I didn't really check the camera. I just went on with it. And we went for lunch at the end of the bike tour. So we cycled for from 9 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Three, three and a half hours. In between, there were stops. Uh, we went to the Rice Terrace, very, very beautiful. Um, uh, yeah, so it was like a three-hour tour. And towards the end of it, <laughs> we all sat down together. And I was the odd one out, but they welcomed me. They were like, oh, let's sit together. And the husband, right, David, was like in the corner. He was like giggling from time to time. From time to time. And at this point, I haven't really asked him. I'm like, David, are you all right? I was like, I'm just thinking about the fall. <laughs> and then we started talking about the fall. Uh, at this point, by the way, um, Christopher and Erwin didn't know. They were quite fast. They are quite steady and it went all the way front. So it was just the three of us. So they didn't know, oh, what fall? Like, what happened? And then we, then I said, and then they stored it. And I, that's when I kind of confessed. And I'm like, uh, Linda, I know you said, don't you dare take the camera out, but I, I didn't take the camera out. Like my camera was already there, but I, I, I think I captured it. I'm so sorry. Like I can delete it if you don't want me. I mean, if you don't want it, like, I mean, I plan to delete it anyway. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Can I see it? 
<laughs> so I was like, are you sure? And then David, he's very quiet, you know. David is this very quiet man. Man with very little words, but he's very like, he, he, he was always taking care of me the, throughout the trip. He would look back and say, you all right, girl? I'm like, you all right? He's got two sons, I think, or three sons and a daughter or something. So he, I think they saw me as a daughter and he saw, they saw that I was on my own. So they re, he really took care of me and I felt like, like a daddy on my trip with me, you know? So it was really nice. So David doesn't say a lot of, but then at that point, he's like, yeah, I want to see it. <laughs> you know, like the father that doesn't speak, but then when he speaks, right, it's something, you know? So I went to search for the footage. I took a lot, like on and off. So like, they were like, 15 different long footages. So I had to really scroll through one by one. But when I found it, we all had the biggest laugh. And I offered, I said, Linda, would you like a copy? And she said, would that be all right? I want to send it. I forgot the son's name. I just call him, I don't know, I don't know, Marcus. I want to send it to Marcus. That's a terrible Australian accent, by the way. I can never do Australian accent. But I'm like, yeah, let me send it to you. So... She doesn't know how to airdrop. I airdrop to her. Immediately, she spammed to the family group chat already. <laughs> so that was a very nice moment that I shared with total strangers, you guys. Like total strangers. A fun memory with people that I would never see again, probably. Well, if you do, that would be nice. Um, so yeah, I, was never, I never felt alone, even though I was on my own. Not lonely, I would say. I was alone, but never lonely. Okay. Okay, so after the, the cycling tour, I went to do something else. And this is the part I really want to share with you because I haven't, at this point on my social, I haven't talked about it at all. So I met this healer, a Balinese healer, this guy called Jiro Manku. And uh, this experience was something that was recommended by Jessica. She works with Sikh Sophie and she told me before I came on this trip, she's like, Maggie, would you be open to meet a healer? Like, are you into this stuff? I mean, am I into it? I would say, I don't have a yes or no answer. I'm quite, I'm quite open with experiences. I'm quite chill. So it's not like, oh my God, I need to meet him and change my life. I wasn't coming from that perspective. For me, it was like, hey, that would be interesting. And I have content to share. That'd be interesting. And then I went on Sick Sophie's website and I said, I, I kind of read through like, hey, what, what's the deal about this guy, right? Um, some of the statements, I mean, the description about these experiences was, experience the benefits of healing energy as Jiromanku helps release blockages and restore balance to your energy system. Gain profound insights into various aspects of your life through Jiromanku's ability, or this one caught me, ability to access past lives, understand your character, and offer guidance on future prospects. I'm like, okay. Okay, sounds fun. And uh, this last one was, if you're, it's, if you're experiencing imbalances in your energy field, Jeromanku can realign and harmonize your energetic frequencies. Sounds scientific, actually. So, I mean, I went in with an open mind. I didn't have any expectation. I was a little skeptical, though. I was a little skeptical. Just, I, I always am skeptical, to be honest, with experiences like this. Uh, but I was also open-minded. So yeah, Jess, Jessica. Hey Jess, if you're listening to this, thanks for the hookup. <laughs> so Jess was telling me, Maggie, you're gonna, it, it will be something, but she said, but, but she also disclaimer, but I don't want to overhype it. I don't want to overhype it. I want you to experience it yourself. And then I'm like, okay, okay. I'll experience it myself. Um, 
So a lot of things happened. He went, I, I, when I arrived, it was actually his home and his son welcomed me. And um, we sat down, started the experience. And uh, again, because I don't have any expectation, I'm not someone who was like yearning to meet him. I guess the energy was a bit different. He was trying to open me up. Makes sense, right? Um, but some of the things that I feel like is worth mentioning and I would like to share with you guys were, he said that, you know, you are already born with the power of mind. And therefore you will be a master of mind. And I'm like, wow, very profound, very big words and like big claims. And me being me, a head over heels host, huh? on your behalf, I asked all the question. I said, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean power of mind? Like, what do you mean master of mind? I don't get it. I like, it just feels very like generic, right? Like, can you break it down for me? <laughs> break it down for me. And he said, and he said, um, what you think will become. And I'm like, wow. You know what, who he reminds me of? I need you guys to have a visual. I'll post it on my stories so that uh, you guys can have something to refer to as you're listening to this podcast. You can go to my IG stories. I'll put it up on highlights. I promise everyone's, everyone's been asking for it, but let me curate the journey, okay? So you get to watch the highlights as you're listening to this podcast, as you listen to this podcast. He reminds me of the Lion King's The Monkey. The one that will always whack Simba's head with a stick when he says something stupid. He really reminds me of that. Not, the, his, not his looks, but his, his aura, his charisma, the way he speaks. So he was telling me what you think will become. And then I thought about all the things that I have been manifesting. You remember you guys, we talked about it, manifesting, manifesting all the things you want in life, meeting Park Sojun, getting my dream job, getting my house. And I told him, you know what? Yeah, I remember just three years, two years before I bought my house right now, I said that I will one day buy a house that's where I can see the sunset. And my current house, I can actually see the sunset. And I didn't think about it, you know, like didn't think too much about it. And then the Park Sojun job, obviously, that one manifests very long time already and many other things. But he said, but it can be dangerous. And I'm like, ooh, I mean, yeah, where there's good, there's bad. Because your mind is so powerful, you can manifest the good, but you can also manifest the bad. They don't, they don't choose what you think you manifest. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I'm very scared now. So I'm trying not to think negatively, but I mean, I'm not really that kind of person because if I think about negative things, it can manifest, it can happen. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then he added, he's like, because you, ha you are the master of mind, you have the power to hypnotize. And I'm like, huh? Whoa, 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 this is too much. Hello? <laughs> I am not a psychologist. I have no certification in hypnotizing people. So this was where my mind went. I'm like, what do you mean? What the heck? Are you legit or not? Like this was in my head. But I took the word so literally, way too literally. And I asked him, well, what do you mean? He said, you're already doing it. Because I said, I can't hypnotize and I've never hypnotized anyone in my life. And he said, you're already doing it. And I'm like, huh? What do you mean? When you speak, people pause and listen. And I'm like, 
huh, well, there is some truth to it because I'm a host. Like right now, you guys are listening to me. In some ways, I'm hypnotizing you guys. I'm just kidding. Like you're listening to me. You're listening to my words. You're listening to what my mind says, what my thoughts are. So I guess he came from that perspective, not like literally hypnotizing people. Um, and people will want more from you, but you need to know when to stop. And I guess I just, I guess it's just what I can decipher from this is my work on social media. Like people will always ask me questions. People will always want me to do this, want me to speak up about this, want me to speak up about that. But there's only so much I can give. So I, 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 that's what I understood from that. And he also said that you cannot give everything, but you will want to because you are the sun. <laughs> Shining into people's lives. I'm like, wow, he guessed me up, man. My hero already kambang very big, you know. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but there was one point where I cried, actually. Um, all these are very vulnerable moments, so like, it's not really on camera, so I didn't want to record it. But I think someone did record it. I may have a footage of it, but I didn't record it myself. He said that, it was a very simple word that he said but I don't know why my tears came running down my cheeks. He said, you are a very wise girl. I cried. And he looked at me, he's confused. <laughs> I just complimented you or like said something good about you. Why are you crying? But I guess he kind of knew why I was crying. I don't know. I, she just said, you're a very wise woman, wise girl, wise and smart girl. And, and as I was crying and I was done crying, I said, no one has ever said that to me. You're like growing up, I always felt like I was so stupid. I was never doing the right thing. Like I'm always incapable, not enough. So for someone who's like a complete stranger, who has such profound insight, towards life, I guess. And some of the things he did say prior to this point, quite on point, lah, huh? So that's why maybe it built up to that. But I can't go into every single little detail because then this podcast will be five hours long. So I said, ah, oh, thank you. As, as, I, as I was saying, thank you, you know how I'm just, thank you. <laughs> like that, lah. I was just like, thank you and crying. Um, but I guess that session in some ways, was very healing. It is, I guess. As, as, as skeptical as I was, I, parts of me felt nice. Parts of me felt like I've got like some little plaster plastered all over it. And um, yeah, if you would like to try this out, you know what? Give it a try. I feel like in life, it's all about experiencing things, right? Mm, I... I'm in this season of my life where I'm just saying yes to experiences and adventures. And so far at this point of this trip, I'm like, damn, okay. We're going a good direction. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So that was Jero Manku. I'm going to take a quick pause from the experiences. And I just want to say that I actually am not 
this kind, this adventurous gale that you see on social media. I'm the last person who want to go on an adventurous trip, to be very honest with you. And I think I also mentioned this in my Japan solo trip that I'm someone who don't really enjoy too much extreme stuff. Like when I say extreme, not literally going down a roller coaster, but like driving all the way, like say for the, to the firefly farm. It's, it's a lot of effort, yeah? Quite extreme for my standards already. Usually I wouldn't do things like this. But this trip has also taught me and opened my eyes and to different mm, perspective. Like, actually, I've always just traveled the way I travel. I never tried anything else. And this trip allowed me to try something else. So shout out to Sikh Sophie. I love you guys. Um, more about Sikh Sophie in a bit because I want to talk about my next experience. At this point, I'm still quite sick. Uh, not well. My nose was running. Wet. Flu. Feverish. Tired. I don't know. I can keep, I can keep going. Weird. Weird. But the thing is, right? I felt the, most, the sickest when I'm in the hotel room doing nothing. As I'm out, when I'm out under the sun, I was okay. So it's like my body telling me to get out. Just do something and you'll feel better, right? Uh, also something that I didn't share on social media just yet. I also went to release turtle, y'all. Uh, I went to this turtle conservation, not farm, but like a center. It is, at this point, I'm still staying in Ubud. Um, what do you call it? It's about 20 minutes bike ride from my hotel in Ubud. Ubud is this northern part of Bali that has no beaches. So it's all green jungle, rice paddy fields and all that. Because to me, before this, I always thought Bali means beaches. Like not B-I-T-C-H, but B-E-A-C-H, right? Where there's Bali, there has to be a beach. If no beach means no Bali, that was my, pers my, my, my perspective then. Because every time I go to Bali the last few rounds, always by the beach only. That's all I did. Nothing else. But when I went to Ubud, you guys, oh my God, I fell in love. Fell in, oh gosh, so beautiful. It's so serene. It's so peaceful. It's so green. It's so calm. And, and I was talking a lot to Justin and he was telling me that if you notice in Bali, um, everything here is quite low rise. You know why? I wrote it down. Let me write, let me check my notes really quickly. I know what it feels like going to the gym and feel completely clueless and intimidated. I was once there. That's why I started Motion Lab. We're a fitness studio that focuses on small group classes and personal training. Our goal is simple, to help you move better so you can live better. Start your first class for only 49 ringgit today. For more info, go to www.motionlab.live or check us out on IG at MotionLabMY. It's MotionLabMY. No buildings can be higher than temples because no humans can be higher than God. That's Bali. It's an island with millions of temples. Was it millions? Thousands, sorry. I may be wrong. But yeah, thousands of temples. And all the buildings, including all these five-star hotel resort, right? They cannot build their hotel higher than, I think, three or four floors. 
Nothing. So it's all very long, elongated, but not uh, horizontal. Eh, they are horizontal, but not vertically built. And I didn't realize that, you see. I really didn't. Really never noticed that. But when Justin told me that, I'm like, no humans can be higher than God. And the Balinese, they really believe in karma. So everyone in Bali is so, I mean, not because, not just because they believe in karma, they are nice, but they're all so kind and so nice. And I felt so safe. And a lot of people are like, do you feel safe? Blah, blah, blah. How can, but Bali, you know, all by yourself as a woman. No, I felt so safe. And a lot of the times where crimes happen, apparently it's usually by non-Balinese, people who are not from Bali. But the true native Balinese, born and bred in Bali, they are the kindest, nicest people in the world. As I'm on the bike, I look around, everybody smile at me, you know? So nice, so warm. But anyway, back to the turtle. I released a turtle and named her Maggie. Because they said, Maggie, you can release a turtle. You can name her anything. I'm like, can I name her Maggie? Yeah, let's name her Maggie. So let's release Maggie. But by the way, at this point, it's actually not hatching season. But they did have some turtles that they are kind of like taking care of. Like the, the ones that slightly injured or the ones that not ready to go into the sea yet or, 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 or something like that. So they, they gave me a turtle to release a good one that's ready to go. Um, so they taught me how turtles are and like the species and uh, and like what what are the different species available and why are turtles going to extinct if we don't take care of it. And you know, turtles are beautiful. You know, you guys watch Finding Nemo, right? Um, yeah, so I released Maggie into the ocean and in some ways, I felt like part of me went there. Like, Oh, I have a footage of it still. I was like, oh, Maggie, come on. I was cheering for her. I was cheering for Maggie. I was like, Maggie, come on, come on, come on. You got this, you got this, you got this. Because you know, like this tiny, tiny little turtle with like small floppy, what do you call it? Their legs, floppy legs, four legs and just trying to move. Flip, flip, fins, fins, flippers, flippers. Yeah, they have tiny little flippers like, like shorter than my pinky, you know. It's so cute. Again, I'll post it on socials on my story so you guys can check it out later. And it's like trying, it, it stopped there first. It didn't move. And as I cheer for, the, for Maggie, Maggie moved. It started flipping, 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 flipping. And halfway, the wave came, the first wave came, but it didn't catch her. I'm like, oh no, it's okay. Let's try again. But it's so cute because Maggie cannot wait to go. Because there's this other turtle, baby turtle next door, Bayou, um, who's um, the caretaker of the space. Bayou also released it with me. So she also named her turtle Bayou, but Bayou wouldn't go. But Maggie was like, yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. The ocean, come touch me. So the first wave didn't catch her. And then the second wave caught her and off she went. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's just all these experiences are so precious. I feel, um, yeah, money can buy these experiences because I, you know, you have to pay for these experiences. But it is all these memories, all these feeling. You can do the same thing and not feel the way I did. I feel like everyone experiences things differently. But that was, that was quite fun. But I think though, I would think though, that, ex that particular experience, full transparency, I would think it would be better to go with a bunch of friends. Yeah, so I was on my own. So uh, at some point can get a bit like, yeah, 
don't know what to do because they're all busy doing their stuff, right? Like cleaning up the tank and everything. Uh, but because I know I'm on a solo trip and I'm also here to document all these for you guys, um, I feel like I was on a different goal and hit space, right? So that's fine. But yeah, I would recommend you to go with your friends for these activities because you can actually clean the tanks for the turtle where they... Um, they keep them while before they release them. They can't keep these turtles for long because they have to end up being in the ocean sometime at some point. So they are just like temporary home for them. So yeah. Um, can I share some fun facts with you guys? Because as I released Maggie into the ocean, Bayou was telling me, Bayou is not the turtle. It's actually the name of the lady, but we named the turtle after her, okay? Just to clarify. Um, she said, all right, bye Maggie. We'll see you in 20 years. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean see you in 20 years? And she said, apparently, uh, she said, oh, the turtles that you released from this beach, they will come back here. They just know. They will come back here like 20 years later if they survive in the vast ocean. They will come back to the exact same beach. And I'm like, what? But they come back for what? I mean, to lay eggs, lah, obviously. <laughs> Sorry, a bit bimbo moment at that point. I said, huh, come back for what? Lay, lay eggs. And then the cycle continues. And I did some research after that. I said, wow, that's interesting. I never knew, never knew that fact. So it's not because they recognize the beach, right? Oh, this is Bali. I am coming here back. Oh, that is Phuket. I'm going back there. No, no, no. So sea turtles have strong homing instinct and they can navigate across vast distances in the ocean and they will often return to the beach where they were hatched when it's time for them to lay eggs. So it's not because they recognize the rock, the water or whatnot, but it's that homing instinct. However, this behavior is not a result of remembering the specific beach from their hatchling years, but instead it is believed that they use various environmental cues and the earth's magnetic field to navigate. So when sea turtles hatch and head into the sea, they would disperse across a wide range of ocean habitats and spend many, many, many years in the sea and the ocean before reaching maturity. And this is if they reach maturity. A lot of them get eaten by fishes and other creatures in the ocean, unfortunately. And when females return to the nest, they will choose a beach that is suitable for laying their eggs. But again, the choice is also based on the current conditions, not a memory of their hatching site. So when, while sea turtles exhibit this homing behavior, again, it's not because they remember, but it is just this natural instinct. Mother nature, you guys, it's crazy. Damn, JC, you built a beautiful world. Wow, guys, I never knew like turtle come back, you know? So I'll go back to that beach 20 years later and meet Maggie again. So yeah. <laughs> Um, I did a lot of other stuff. Very, very adventurous. Um, I also did surfing. I did paragliding. Super fun. You know, you guys know how that goes. I don't think I need to go into detail. But surfing was very tiring, you guys. I didn't expect my arms to burn. I also saw a turtle as I was surfing. Oh my God. Yeah. I was sitting down on the paddle board. Was it the surfing board? with my legs in the water, but on top, my butt is on top. So my both legs are on the sides. Like I'm just chilling because I'm too tired already. And I look to the right. I'm like, wait a second. 
it's Maggie's friend. <laughs> so yeah, I saw a turtle. Met a couple of girls who were also learning how to surf. I got a private coach, by the way, for this experience. Because the last time I learned how to surf, it was one coach, but 10 girls. I didn't enjoy it. I mean, I enjoyed surfing, but I didn't have too much time with the coach. So if you really want to learn how to coach, I would highly recommend you to get a private coach. If you're a bunch of friends, sure, but not with like other people, because it will take time for you to... Uh, have that time one-on-one -on -one time with your coach. So if let's say you go with three bunch of three group, uh, three friends, yeah, that coach can just attend to the three of you instead of like a big group of people, right? Um, yeah, but the most exciting and interesting part of my trip was really towards the end, the muddy one, the muddy one that everybody's been asking me about. So it is called Mapantigan. And uh, just want to clarify, right? It is not really a tradition of the Balinese. It's not that. But it is something that um, Pak Putu created. So he wanted to pay homage to local martial arts as well as combine it with like local traditions to honor the native environment of rice paddies and jungle. And he was also a former Taekwondo athlete. So he started this about 10 years ago. So it's not really like a tradition that's been going on for years and centuries and decades, right? So this is just a decade long experience that was created. But it was so fun. So, so fun. I don't remember the last time I became a kid again and just play. So, so fun. And honestly, I don't think I would be able to experience all of this without the team at Seek Sophie. So I just want to give them a quick shout out right now. Um, so yes, all of these experiences were booked via Seek Sophie. So Seek Sophie is like basically this travel company, right? And they focus on non-touristy experiences, which I love because I feel like um, the influencing world has made travel so aesthetic-centric. It has to be beautiful. It has to be Instagram-worthy. But I don't think travel should... I mean, that's one aspect of it, but there should be other aspects of it as well. Just because I didn't take an Instagram-worthy photo doesn't mean I didn't travel. It doesn't mean I didn't experience world, right? So... Sophie actually means wisdom in Greek, to those of you guys who may not know. And what they believe in is that they want travel to be meaningful. And I felt like it was really aligned with my personal values. And, and it's not just about travel as an escape to do nothing or travel just to take off bucket lists of places you want to see. Just see any, okay, I saw it, move on, next. And just, or, or you know, go there just to prove a point. Yeah, been there. I've been to Shibuya Crossing. But did you actually fully experience that? That, that, that adrenaline, that, that rush, or you just went there and see from far and then you see you saw it, right? I think it's very different. Because there are people like that, which not, not nothing's wrong with that. But, and also don't get me wrong, yeah, guys, I do enjoy doing absolute nothing. I still enjoy just chilling and not be too adventurous sometimes. Um, so I'm not eliminating the idea of that, but allowing people to also explore more aspects of traveling. Yeah, and this is what it is to make travel meaningful. And this trip was so meaningful. I think 
it's like my favorite Bali trip ever out of all the Bali trips I've ever been. Like, it's funny because this one, I did it on my own. And I had great company the last few trips too. But this is like my ultimate favorite Bali trip ever because I feel like not just because it's meaningful and not because I got to see things I've never seen before, but it was really because the people I got to meet on this trip, I was not alone at all. And yeah, and the, the reason why I got to meet these people is because each and every experiences, right, are really curated in a sense where the Sikh Sophie team, they actually go on ground and they try all of these experiences, only then they filter out the ones they truly enjoy. Then they put it up on their site. I think it makes so much difference. So they're not, they not just mass collecting experiences and put it up. I've tried travel sites like that before. I think we all have. So this is some, an alternative. I think it's something very new, very refreshing. And I think it's so great that there's someone out there doing things like this and making travel meaningful and um, not just a bucket list. So because they are on ground, they try all these experiences, they have relationship with these local vendors. For example, the Pat Wayan, uh, uh, what do you call it? Jerome Manku, they all have personal relationships. And because they have a relationship with them, the way they explained to me before I went or so, I thought, oh, right, okay. So I kind of felt like at home, like meeting my family members, but yeah, that's how I felt. Um, so yeah, they only list experiences that they think it's worthwhile doing and they think that they would recommend to their friends. And they recommend it to me and now I'm paying it forward to recommend it to you. Um, another thing that a lot of people don't think about is where the money goes, okay? I think especially for a place like Bali, like you see a lot of parts of Bali now are very developed. But don't forget, there are still many undeveloped parts. A lot of locals are still are struggling to survive. Kais pagi makam pagi, kais petang makam petang. They are just really living by the day, earning by the day. Um, and the main source of income for Bali is actually tourism, right? Like that's their main. So during COVID, they were all really struggling, I remember. Justin was telling me that too. So what Six Sophie does also, they try their absolute best to list local owners and make sure that the money you spent, spent goes back and stay within the local community and make a positive impact within their community so that they can continue to thrive, they can continue to do what they love doing. We don't think about this, right? Sometimes you just enjoy, okay, bye. Sure, you have that quick chat with that local owner, but how much money actually goes back to them? Or by the time it, it or the the company takes a cut how much is left for them i know this is a lot to think about it can be overwhelming for some people some people are like i don't want to care about this shit i mean that's you that's fine like i'm not asking you to do that but i guess i'm giving you a fresh perspective um for example nowadays if you travel to bali you can see so many villas so many resorts so many restaurants they're actually owned by foreigners they're not actually balinese like not Bali, Balinese owned. Um, they hire local people because there is a specific rule that they have to. Mm, so that means that the tourism dollars actually don't go back to the Balinese people. Even though you're visiting Bali, it goes back to the owners of these uh, um, 
founders who've, who created these villas and restaurants. So that's what I'm trying to say. So can they truly sustain their own lifestyle? Even though you're coming to their country, their city, their place. Yeah, but the money, does it go to them? Another point I would like to just share as well is, um, apart from you know making sure money goes back to the local communities, I th- which I think is very important, um, and making sure it's experiences that they want to try and want to experience too, it's also experiences that are actually good for the environment. So allow me to explain, okay? So the Sikh Sophie team, they actually really do their research and they only choose experiences and the guides that are respectful of wildlife and the environment. So example, they will never list a dolphin watching experience just because it's a cool activity is the trend right now. It's something everybody wants to do, but the operators are chasing after dolphins and not and feeding them so they will come to you so you can see them and not actually letting them be their natural self because that's, you know, a lot of people do that, by the way. And that caused a disrupt to their natural behavior and a lot of distress to these dolphins, right? So that means when there's no tourists that come, then what do they do? No one's feeding them anymore because that's not their natural cycle. They're not supposed to do that. They're supposed to be able to hunt for their own food. You know, Sikh Sophie would never, never list out an experience like that. So know that whatever experience that you can see on their site right now is something that has gone through cycles and cycles of filters. And in some ways, as a traveler myself, I feel assured And you guys know me. I told them too, hey, if I don't believe in your products or services, I will not talk about it. And I don't want to talk about it. But the fact that I'm talking about it is because I truly had such a wonderful time with the Sikh Sophie team. They didn't just um, got me to experience all these wonderful things that I will remember for a lifetime. They also educated me on what traveling should and can be. And Bella is on be- behind the camera right now and she was just telling me, I never thought about it that way. But again, I don't want to pressure you guys because I feel like it can be tricky. So it's about striking a balance when it comes to traveling. It's not realistic to fat check every single thing that you do. Oh my God, this restaurant, who own one? Oh, that hotel, who own one? Okay, this one, who own one? This airline, who own one? No, 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 no. We're not going to the extent. Huh? That's not what we are trying to do as well. Not what I'm trying to say. But it's just really finding the balance. Sure, go for your favorite restaurant that's owned by an Italian because pizzas are great or like Korean food in Bali or whatever. But just don't forget to also give back to the community. Like get to know them, find them, talk to them, learn about their story, learn about their lifestyle, learn about what they do and why they do what they do. And uh, yeah, so that's Sikh Sophie to you. I also just want to give a very heartfelt shout out to the team for letting me be a part of this Sikh Sophie experience. It's my first time ever. I've heard about them for a while actually, but yeah, full, full transparency. I'm not getting paid to say this too. I genuinely enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> but even if I get paid to say something, doesn't mean it's any less legitimate, by the way. I just want to put it out there. I feel like I know a lot of KOLs to say, say, Hashtag not sponsored. 
That's why for me, I don't really like to do that. But sometimes I think it's important to give some sort of a disclaimer just because of the perception of people these days. Oh, you should get paid to say one. But if you know me, I want you guys to know that whether or not I'm getting paid or not paid to say something, that is secondary. Because you can be paying me a lot of money and I still don't want to say it because I don't believe in it. I have rejected jobs that I feel like doesn't align with my values. So uh, I think I just want to be clear about that. So if I share it, it's really because I genuinely love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Okay. We are towards the end a little bit. Actually, I've got a lot more to go. But I guess I'll just cover the parts where you guys were quite curious about. Let's go down to the costing. Um, a lot of people want to know how much I spent. But I guess it's very different because guys, if you see, I did a shit ton of activity. It was very tiring to, for me, to be very honest, because I didn't really have too much time to chill and do nothing. So... I don't think realistically, would you guys travel the way I did? Like back-to-back -back activities like that? No, right? Yeah. So I would say, let's say, actually I did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven activities in six days. So it's quite a lot. But again, my intention is different this time. This solo trip is really to experience it with Sick Sophie and then come back and share it with you guys. So if I didn't experience all these activities, I wouldn't have any stories to tell you and I won't be able to fully experience what Sick Sophie does and the like the all these experiences that they curate. So out of the seven, for example, you want to go for just two. I also calculated for you already. Okay. So um, um, hotel was about, okay, wait, let's go to flight first. Flight I booked, uh, we booked about a week, uh, week prior. I booked a week prior, a week plus prior, 750 ringgit to Bali. That's fair, right? That's all right. Is that expensive? That's okay. Um, but hotel though, I purposely booked slightly nicer one because saya takut hantu ya, sis. Saya tidak mau tinggal di the doji hotel malam-malam ada benda datang secari saya, ya. So like, I was very scared. I was still very scared before coming on this trip, especially Bali. I had no expectation, but I was damn scared. Not gonna lie. So I made sure I everything else is comfortable for me. I know I'm going to get out of my comfort zone when I'm out of the hotel room, but I want to come back to something very safe and cozy and comfortable. For me, that is very important. I realize that's just the way I am. Otherwise, I will struggle and I won't be happy. So I booked a slightly nicer hotel. So the first hotel in Ubud was about 1,485 ringgit, three days, two nights. So how much is that? Oh my gosh, my bad. I'm so bad. 1485, 1485, B. Yeah, so almost 500 ringgit per night. Um, but that was also intentional, okay. Changu. Then I moved to Changu. My Changu hotel was four days, three nights. Uh, it's 1007, about 400-ish per night. But actually, you don't need to book such an expensive hotel room. You can book you can easily find all these Airbnbs and villas who are also equally as nice and equally as um, uh, cozy and whatever uh, for 50 ringgit to 100 ringgit. Less than 200 ringgit per night you can find. I definitely went above a little bit for the reasons I've shared. Um, and I really wanted to be comfortable, really, really comfortable. And thank God I did because I was sick. 
So that was some, that's something that I won't be kiamsap on when I travel now, actually. Um, there are things I'll be kiamsap about. By the way, kiamsap means uh, stingy. I won't sting on my accommodation anymore because I did that before and I regretted it. The hotel room was not that great. I came back and I don't have this, don't have that. But with these hotels and especially the Balinese people, so, so nice. They really took care of me, you guys. Like the first day in Ubud, the hotel, uh, Garcia, I stayed in Garcia, Ubud, not sponsored, paid for it. Um, see, I don't know, KOL, they always say that. Um, thousand, yeah, the, the thousand four, the 500 ringgit per night one, almost 500 ringgit. Um, the next day I was rushing and I wasn't feeling too well. They got me ginger tea. They packed up my breakfast for me to go so I can eat in the car. So like all these services, you may not get it in an Airbnb. So that's hotel and then that's flight. Experiences. Okay, I'll tell you the exact price for each experience I went. They're all between 200 to 300. Jiro Manku was 233 ringgit plus plus. Okay, not exact, plus plus. Cycling, 209 ringgit plus plus per person. All these are per person. Paragliding, about 227 plus plus. Firefly, 227 plus plus. That one's super value, guys. That one, you, you get way more than that. You get a lifetime of everything. Turtle, about 212. The customized day tour with Justin, my man. Guys, look for Justin. He is you can trust him. And he's so good. And he customized the tour for you, you know. It's not like you follow his way. He'll ask you what you want and then he'll plan it for you. So it's not like you arrive and he brings you the place that has already been planned out. No, 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 no. It's a day, private customized day tour, about 10 hours. 265 ringgit plus plus. Uh, surfing, private private coach, about 200 plus plus. Mepantingan, uh, the Madi Madi experience, about 303 plus plus. Also very worth it, by the way, uh, because you get a full-on experience that you cannot get anywhere else. So in total, just the experiences, lah, which I don't think everyone would take up everything, like I said, you pick and choose, about 1,008. So in totality, oh, and I had cash on hand. Some people ask how much cash should I bring? So I allocated 100 ringgit per day, but I got Extra. So I always bring like a bit of extra. So 700 ringgit cash for about a week. Fair, right? Yeah. And I couldn't finish using it actually because a lot of places still use card, but I was quite mindful about the petty cash. So like my, my airport transfer, I just give him cash and a bit of tip, you know? Uh, so I use cash for that. So 700, I still had some extra. So grand total without the experiences, yeah? Without the experience. So it's just hotel, Flights, on-ground expenses, less than 5K can. Very doable for one week. Actually, because my hotel is so expensive, you can even cut it to 3.5K, doable. Very doable. Because my hotel really a bit more expensive, but like that's my choice, right? So with plus one, two experience, less than 5K also can, guys. I can tell you that much. Is 5K a lot? No, this is very fair. Bali is fair. It's not cheap, cheap. It's not dirt cheap. No, I think everything comes with a price. But I think it's a very fair amount for you to be able to have a good time. Um, with all of the experiences, you want to do what I do? Sure. Disclaimer can be very tiring. I tell you first. Uh, 7,000 plus my luxury hotel. So if you don't book luxury hotel, again, minus 1 to 2K. Big difference. Yeah. So let's just put it on average 5K.
Yeah? Yeah? Fair. Very good amount. Love Bali. I will go back again. So again, definitely can get cheap hotels. You don't have to jam pack all the experiences. Out of the seven, you want to do two to three. That's only about less than, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Three, four days also can. This is about one week. A lot of people mostly go to Bali for what? Four, four days, three days, three days, four nights. Okay, but I have to say this. Very important information. If you want to go to Bali, be prepared to be stuck in traffic. I didn't expect that. From airport, my first trip, my first destination is Ubud, yeah? Ubud is way up north. Two hours. In the car. Okay? Then from Ubud down to Changu. Okay, Ubud was fine. Like within the moment you reach Ubud, the moment you reach Ubud, it's very peaceful. It's not as crazy as Seminya, Kuta, and Changu. Changu. I'm going say Changu. Changu. But please go to Ubud. I don't know. I feel like if you vibe with me, you vibe my energy, you know my style, I think you'll like Ubud also. But if you're the party, party, party girl, uh -huh, Changu is your place. Uh -huh. All the hot teas over there, all the shirtless men, but very little Asian meat. Oh, Angmo meat only. So not really my cuisine. <laughs> my cuisine is, you know who lah? Pak Sojun. Hey. Anyway, uh, so what was I trying to say? Yes. So when I traveled from Ubud to Changu, also about an hour and a half, plus traffic, almost two hours. Guys, I also went to Uluwatu, which is down south, past the airport, down south, two hours. So you can imagine how much time I spent in the car, okay? Um, oh my gosh, so many important things I have to share. Okay, one more thing is, how do you travel around Bali? Definitely take a bike. That's a true Balinese experience. Uh, for distances that's below 30 minutes, I took the bike. Very nice. You can look around. Weather was good. I got a nice tan, but apparently I didn't. <laughs> but, um, but anything more than 30 minutes and I know there will be traffic, I'm going to get a car. Uh, how much? Uh? Actually, very cheap. Uh. 100, uh, it was 100,000 rupiah. So honestly, it's like 10 ringgit, 12 ringgit per ride. Honestly, it was very okay. It's fine. I mean, you are traveling. You know, don't stinge on stuff like that. This kind of stuff, I don't stinge. And uh, you're also supporting the locals, right? Um, but for my trip to Uluwatu to surf and my paragliding, it was all the way down in Uluwatu and Nusa Dua. That one, I had to hire, I, ha I chose to hire a private driver because now I'm going to two different activities. One requires me to shower, means I have to bring my shower, my towel and everything. Can you imagine? I, I was lugging my bags can you imagine if I take a bike two hours with those bags? Oh, hell nah. It's not comfortable, okay? But with a driver, and also I have to wait for, I don't know, grab or go jack every time. Not very certain. What if I cannot find? I don't know where it is. The paragliding spot was a little bit uh, remote. So don't know if grab, I could grab a grab or a go jack. But apparently you can, like, very easy. But I just didn't want to. So I got my private driver. His name is Nova. Very nice guy. And I just chuck my stuff in the car. And as I go, so easy, he waits for you. So that one was about 6,500 rupiah. That um, basically ringgit is about 200 ringgit. For a whole day, uh, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Fair, right? Guys, better than you get the... So next time, if you know you're going to travel a whole day, get a driver 
call Justin, he's going to hook you up. Easy. And if you go with friends, you just split lah, guys. So easy. 200 ringgit split by four. I mean, maybe not always 200 ringgit, but around there. If, it, if it's 300 ringgit, you split by five or three. It's so worth it. So yeah, um, highly recommend you guys to experience the bike experience. If not, if you've not, apparently that's the way you travel in Bali. It was nice. And then you can see a lot of hot guys on scooters and bikes also, like eye candy. Oh shit, man. It was nice. <laughs> um, yeah. All in all, my favorite part of the trip was meeting all the people. Uh, Batwayan, I met Justin. I met Nova, my driver. And there was one time, I he was driving past a really hot guy, jogging. And he's like, you sure you don't want to open the window? I'm like, no! <laughs> and one thing I have to say though, had I went on this trip with Bella and Jolene, for example, both these ladies behind the camera, every time I go on this trip, I will be talking with my friends, ma. I won't actually take too much initiative to talk to the locals. They would just be there to host us. For example, let's say the Firefly or whatever. I would be talking with my friends. Yo, my God, this is so fun. But because I was alone, I, I was a little more comfortable to get out of my comfort zone to talk to people. I actually had proper conversations with them. I got them to, in, I invited them to join me for dinner or makan with me together. I had a meal with Justin. I was in the car talking to Nova the whole time, like two hours drive back and forth. That's four hours in total. Like we talked so much. I learned that he's got a kid, one year old, got a wife and all the traditions in their everyday life, where he grew up. And it is not something you would experience had you not gone alone. I think. Yeah. Um, so yes, favorite part of the trip was meeting everyone. And I have to say, there is parts, there are parts that I really hated. I didn't like Changu. <laughs> I want to end it with a low, but no, I, I didn't enjoy Changu. I guess I don't know why. I feel like it's so overwhelming and I'm not a party girl and it's like a party hub. Sure, there's cafes and everything, but like, I, can't, I got cafe in KL, so, you know, like, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something different from my usual environment. And the traffic in Changu is shit. So if you're not into all that stuff, don't have to stay there. But again, it is the hub of everything. Hottest people are all there. So you gotta pick and choose. You know, life is fair. Um, going in and out of Changu is very difficult. I was always stuck in traffic, even in a bike. Hey, very scary, okay? I'm on a bike, yeah? Sometimes when you're on a bike, you want to open your legs a bit. But then, there's so many times I almost hit another bike that was coming in a different direction. They all drive so fucking close. Sorry, language. So bloody close. And it's a cultural shock for a city girl like me, okay? I don't really sit on a bike. And okay, speaking of bike, you know, you got to hold something, right? <laughs> okay. So my first ever bike experience, yes, that's the back handle. Actually, but I don't know how to hold the back handle. My first time on a bike. And then I put my, I asked, uh, boleh, boleh tak shoulder? Boleh letak bahu? He didn't really answer me. Like, uh. I'm like, okay. So my hands were so awkward. I was like one hand on a shoulder and one hand, not really hugging him, but like just holding the waist like this. But not, not solid enough, you know, because sometimes 
he stopped and go and then I have the inertia and just pulls me back. And I'm like, uh, wait, that's so weird. Uh, I don't know where to touch. So that was the experience I had traveling solo because if you go with someone else, you will usually take a car because that's what happened to me last night. I went with a bunch of girlfriends. We, we just took a car only because it's easier to stay together. But because I was alone, I keep taking the bike. But guys, after my second time, I got a lot of messages from everyone on DM. Thank you. To tell me to hold the handle. So I held the handle the second time. But I feel like it's still not very steady. So one handle on the back, one on the shoulder. That's the second right. Okay, second right, yeah? And then the third right onwards. Honey, I'm no touch anything, okay? <laughs> I was like, I got this. I'm a barley gale. Barley, barley gale. So I was very confident already. And even if they speed, right? I steady, you know? Yeah, steady. So... I know how to ride a bike now. I mean, I don't know how to ride a bike. I know, I know how to be a passenger princess. <laughs> so that was fun. That was fun. And am I well rested on this trip? I would say no. <laughs> Not gonna lie. This trip was with a different intention. But did I have fun? Oh, hell yeah. I think this trip compared to my Japan trip is completely different. Not chill at all this trip. I mean, there were moments where I got to chill. But like a majority of this trip was really about adventure, 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 right? So it's a very different feel. But yeah, I really enjoyed myself. Um, last one, while I wrap this up, before I wrap this up. Someone asked, solo trip, you're always alone. Has loneliness ever crossed your mind and how did you deal with it? Um, yeah, I get asked a lot too, like, Yo, it's so sad. Why do you travel alone? I mean, traveling should be an experience you share with people, not alone. That's not how traveling should be. And I respect that. I respect that people have different ideas on how traveling should be. And that was me too. I never knew traveling could be fun on my own. I always thought traveling should be an experience that's shared with people that I love and enjoy spending time with. But sometimes you'd rather be alone than be with a bad company. Not saying bad company per se. Okay, I will give an example. You go to a coffee shop. Okay, no, coffee shop. I don't drink coffee. You go to a smoothie shop, smoothie bowl shop. You go with a group of friends. For you, that smoothie bowl is damn fucking nice. Wow, I want to come back tomorrow. But... Your three other friends are like, this is not that great. It's all right. Let's not come back. Then what? Tomorrow you want to come back, but you can't really. But then you're traveling with a friend, a bunch of friends. You kind of want to respect their, their, respect them too. So you end up not coming. Not that they're bad company. So I take that back. Not bad company, but like, it's different when you travel alone versus traveling with people. Okay? So... I guess I would be lonely if I, if nobody wants to be around me. Yeah, I think I would be lonely if nobody likes me and nobody wants to spend time with me. But I chose to be alone. I chose this. So I know I don't feel lonely. Um, I guess the only time it is bad is when it is not your choice and you're stuck alone. You're stuck to be completely alone. That's when it will feel lonely. But when it is your choice, I chose this. 
I mean, every day at home, I'm already surrounded with people. I'm out and about at events. I'm always around people at my work and the things that I do. Just want to stay away from my comfort zone for a little bit. Yeah. And like I said, if anything, traveling alone really opens you up to bond with people. I really wouldn't have chat with so many local people, drivers, and I have so many Bali bros now, okay? I wouldn't have had that if I didn't travel on my own. Um, yeah. So go, go for the adventure on your own. Explore the world on your own. Explore the world and go to places with your own pair of eyes, with your own pair of lens. You make the decision. You experience it yourself. You form your own opinion. Not because your friends say, or someone you travel with say it's not nice. You think it's not nice because you really think it's not nice. Not because Bella thinks it can be better. Or not because Jolene thinks, I think I've had better ones. But if you think it's nice, it's nice for you. So these are the things that you get to experience. You get to build the silent confidence that no one will know about yourself. And now... After being, after traveling only twice, guys, I feel like I'm such an amateur. Nothing compared to a lot of people who have traveled solo their whole lives. I, I feel like there's still so much more to learn. You know, now when I go to a place I don't enjoy, right? I would just walk out, you know? Last time I won't. Like. Last time I'll be like, yeah, never mind, okay, I'll just stay a bit longer, it's fine. Just try to find someone to talk to. But now I feel like, no, this is not my vibe, I'll just walk out. It's that silent confidence that you get to build on your own, the time you spend on your own. And um, yeah, I hope this episode um, gave you some insight. If it inspired you to also travel to Bali, great. If you've never been to Bali, give it a try. I know Bali is so touristy. Honestly, it is. It is a very touristy spot. But what I've learned through Sikh Sophie is there are still many parts of Bali untouched. There are still many, many parts of Bali that's so beautiful, that's so wonderful, that hasn't seen the light of the world. Um, yeah, I hope you get to go give some of these experiences a try. Let me know how it goes if you do. Um, highly, my top favorite, top, 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 top favorite that we would love for you to try is definitely the Firefly Conservation Farm. Did I say conservation or conservation? Not conservative, right? Okay. Firefly Conservation Farm. I keep doing that in my head. The Mpantigan. Oh my God, paragliding. Of course. You see Bali from a completely different lens, like a bird. And uh, oh my God, everything was good. Everything was good. But my top favorite, definitely it's um, Firefly. Mpantigan. Paragliding. I mean, surfing is quite basic so I, I mean it's, it's great too always serve in bali but yeah those three highly recommend give it a try and yeah i think i will have a promo code but i'll let you guys know in the description down below i feel like i'm gonna ask for a promo code you know what i'm gonna ask for a promo code so you guys get a little bit of discount you guys get a little bit of discount if you go using my promo code i will ask the six sophie team for this i hope they give me <laughs> if they don't give me uh, then you just pay full price. Huh? But trust me, it's really worth the money. It's really not expensive. But anyway, uh, is there anything else I haven't covered? I feel like I, there are still things, but uh, I think this is all. 
I hope this would inspire you, encourage you to do something out of your comfort zone um, and to really learn to love yourself again. So cliche, I know, but when you truly get to experience it, you will know what I mean. Okay, that's all I can say. Um, but most importantly, stay safe. Okay, one last thing. Ah, Last thing, last thing, very important, very important. So is Bali safe for solo travelers? Yes. Actually, I saw a lot of solo travelers too. But as safe as any place is, it can be dangerous for many other reasons also. But in Bali, I felt safe my whole time there. Everyone was very, very nice. Uh, but one tip that I learned from my first Japan trip that I made a mistake is never tell anyone that you're on your own. So all of these guys that were picking me up or who met me, I will always tell them, oh yeah, I'm, I came with a friend. It's just that they don't want to try this experience. Oh yeah, I came with a friend. They're waiting for me in a hotel. Uh, I never tell anyone I'm on a solo trip. So that's something that I hope you don't forget to do. I know yeah, in a whim, on a whim, you feel like, yeah, I'm on a solo trip because you're so happy to share this experience. But don't. Don't tell strangers that you're on a solo trip until the trip is over. Okay? All right. And with that, I will share more details in the description if there's anything I missed out. And if there's any more questions that you feel like I didn't cover, let me know in the comments down below. Um, and it would be so nice if you could rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or drop us a comment. And if you love this episode, share it with your friends. I think it makes a lot of difference and means a lot to us that you help us grow as well. Uh, so yes, thank you very much. And uh, with that, like I always say, don't forget to fall head over heels for yourself first and always. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. I know what it feels like going to the gym and feel completely clueless and intimidated. I was once there. That's why I started Motion Lab. We're a fitness studio that focuses on small group classes and personal training. Our goal is simple, to help you move better so you can live better. Start your first class for only 49 ringgit today. For more info, go to www.motionlab.live or check us out on IG at MotionLabMY. It's MotionLabMY.